Welcome to Lake Oma Church. Uh, I've got some help coming up here, and so uh, if you'll give me a sec to get them started, I'll come back and talk to you all, okay? I promise. All right. You all know how to play. All right, uh, so like I said, James, we'll get to them in a sec, don't worry. Uh, like I said, James is out of town, and so he is with Kent Hines. They are on their way down to, is it my turn? Oh, oh seeing who goes first. Oh, wow, okay, did not plan on that part. <laughs> Didn't realize it was going to be so serious. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll go second. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I make the rules. Alright, I got an eight, right? So yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. All right, so like I said, uh, James and Kent are in McAllen, Texas. They are getting a tour of a work that's going on down there, and uh, that's actually where our teens are going to be uh, next week, and they leave uh, Saturday to go serve uh, down in McAllen, Texas. And so I know that, that James and uh, Kent and the teens especially would appreciate your prayers this week for safe travels, and especially for the teens as they go down for to bless the, be praying for the people that they're serving and as well as for our teens and the, the changed hearts. Okay, my turn. Okay. All right, there we go. And so uh, just be mindful of that and be mindful of, of them being down there. And so uh, you can be going. Today we are going to be in Malachi chapter 1. And so you can be uh, turning there in your Bibles, clicking there, in your phones, however it might be. And, but before we get into Malachi chapter 1, uh, we've got a little game set up right here. You can kind of tell. We are playing shoots and ladders. And so if you don't know shoots and ladders, you roll the dice, uh, and then you advance however many uh, moves you make. And then if you come to a ladder, you go up the ladder. If you come, okay, my turn. And so you um, go up the ladder, and then you, if you come to a chute or a slide, you go down the slide, and the first person to get to the end wins. And so how, how's it going, guys? Who's winning? You. Yeah, by a lot. By a lot. How did I get so far ahead? Because you're cheating. I'm you're, cheating. He's going. He's going. Oh, my pawn. I'm cheating. Well, but I'm, I'm up here, so I'm, so I'm winning, right? Yeah, by, by cheating. cheating. By cheating. Well, so what? How, has anybody ever cheated in a game? You all don't have to answer since you're up here in front of people. Oh, you'll, Tate will own up to it, of course. Of course. And so, right, we've all played a game with someone who's cheated before, I'm sure. Now, how, how does that make you feel when someone cheats in a game you're playing? Not very good, right? You feel bad. You feel frustrated. All right, obviously this was a little joke. We're doing this, but 
if it was real, you probably would not want to play with me anymore, right? You wouldn't want to play another game with me, because why? You wouldn't trust me? Yeah. Perhaps, right? You'd think I'd cheat again. Okay, I'm not trustworthy. Exactly. And so we, we don't like to play games with people uh, who cheat. We don't like it when people cheat against us or break the rules or when people don't follow the rules. We get frustrated. We don't trust them. We think, how could I play another game with them because they were dishonest before? Why would I want to engage in that game or any other game with them? All right, y'all can go sit down now. Aww. I know. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> like I didn't trust them to play the whole time or whatever. And so, right, this idea of cheating, we don't like it when people cheat against us, uh, whether it be board games or just anything in life. We don't like cheats. We don't like it when people take advantage of us or take advantage of the situation. And so let's take this idea of cheating and go over to Malachi. Like I said, we're going to be in Malachi chapter 1 this morning. And so Malachi is a minor prophet. Minor does not mean that he's less important. It just simply means it's a shorter prophet, shorter book. But it is written to a post-exilic people of Israel. And so if you remember, Israel is divided into two nations at one point in their history. You've got Israel and Judah. Israel is exiled to Assyria, and then Judah is exiled later to Babylon. Israel really never heard of again, but Judah comes back after 70 years in exile in Babylon. They come back. They come back to the promised land. The promised land which represents their relationship with God. Their ancestors were given this land. This land means something to them. They are brought back. They return to the land. And remember, the reason they were exiled was because they disobeyed God. They didn't follow God's commands. They didn't do what God instructed them to do. And so you would think that they're coming back, and they're like, okay, all right, guys, let's try to do better this time, right? Let's, let's try to, let's not make those mistakes again, you know? This is our, our second shot, our second chance. Let's, let's try to do better. And so Malachi writes to them, inspired by God, and we're going to start in verse 6. It says, a son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, this is God speaking, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. And so the priests are accused of, of not giving God the respect and honor that, he's, that, that God is due. And, th and they're kind of asking like, well, how, of course we honor you, God. How, how, have we, how have we not honored you? Of course we honor and respect you. God, God, we would never do those things. We, would never, we, we, we love you. Of course we honor and respect you. But he says that they've offered defective animals. That they, they aren't giving God their best. As Austin read for us from Leviticus chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it talks about that they are to not, offered a, not to offer a defective animal. 
And in fact, over 20 times in Leviticus, whenever a sacrifice is mentioned, it says, do not offer a defective animal. They're to give the best to God. They're to offer God the best. But in Malachi chapter 1, the Israelites are accused of offering these defective animals. And then the priests are accused of allowing these defective animals to be offered. And so, so everyone is, is guilty, so to speak. And God continues on in verse 10. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altars. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. And so God is looking at their offerings, and, and he calls, it, calls their offerings and the fire that's being used. He says it's, it's useless fire. He says they're offering useless fire. It's, it's pointless fires that, that, that they shouldn't even bother. He even says that they, sh they should just shut the temple doors. He says, why, why even show up? You, you, you don't even need to bother showing up. Might as well just stay home for what you are offering me on this altar. And God continues his speech in verse 12. He says, but you profane it by saying the Lord's table is defiled and its food is contemptible. And you say, what a burden, and you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. This, this chapter is wrapped up by call, calling the individual that promised to give God their best and doesn't, calls them a cheat. They are cheating God. You know, we, we, don't, we don't like cheats. We don't like it when we play a game uh, with someone, someone who cheats because, because they don't play by the rules. But I think why we really don't like cheats is, is because it impacts our gameplay. It impacts how I play the game. They, they, they don't have respect or value, or they don't appreciate the game for what it is. They, they, they only care about the end result. A cheat only cares about winning, and they don't care how they get there. You know, cheats only care for themselves. They, they certainly don't care for, for others. You know, che cheating only shows concern for the self and has no concern for others. No concern for anyone else who is involved in the game. You know, when I, when I think about this idea of being only concerned with the end results, you know, I, I, th I think about... Uh, my own life when it comes, when I've done like those Bible reading plans. You know, you do the Bible reading plans where you, you've got to read, you, you're like, okay, I'm going to read the entire Bible in one year. And I, and I think those plans are great, and so don't think I'm, I'm knocking those at all. But I know I've found myself when I've done those, life gets in the way sometimes, 
and it, I, you know, I, I miss a day. Then I miss another day and then another day. And before long, I know I've, I've, I've missed a whole week. And, and I get so concerned with reading Revelation 22 on December 31st that I start thinking like, oh, I'm going to double up on some days. I'm going to double up. I'm going to read two days on this day. So, and then two days for this whole, two days every day this whole week so I can catch up. But then I start thinking like, oh, well, but you know, the, Thursday is going to be really busy, and so in order to make, I'm going to read four days worth today. And so I started thinking like, wow, okay, that's like 16 chapters. Okay, I can do that. And I just start reading, 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 and I've missed the point of actually reading my Bible. I'm no longer reading the Bible, letting it come into my life, let it speak into my life. I'm more just reading to get it done to check the box, so to speak. I'm not letting the Word speak into my life. I'm not engaging with the Word of God, which really is the whole point of reading it in the first place. I'm not engaging with it. Or, I mean, we we could talk even just coming on Sunday morning sometimes that it's tough getting up sometimes on Sunday mornings. We all have had those times where it's like, ah, really, I don't want to, or, you know, my, my, my three-year-old is, is freaking out about what dress she's having to wear or whatever, and she'd much be rather wearing her pajamas. And by the way, Carrie, that pajama day was awesome uh, when we did that about a year ago. But, but you know, and there's just those times where it's like, okay, I'm just going gonna to go just to check the box, just to get it over with, just because I know I'm supposed to do that. And so I come... I do worship. Do you notice what I just said? I do worship. I'm not engaged. And, and whatever it is, it's, it's, it's missing that engagement. We, we all know how gears work, right? You, you know, you got, say you got a bunch of gears lined up. They've got cogs on them and they interlock with another gear, the cogs of another gear, they turn and then, okay. So imagine we had a bunch of gears lined up right here and you know, we're spinning this one and it's connected to another one, another one, another one and then it gets this one going. If I've got this system of gears up here spinning, they all have to be engaged with each other. If I take that first gear and I get it out of line or any other gear in the system out of line, the end result doesn't happen. The system is broken. When there is not engagement, when we do not have engagement, our system, our system is broken. Our system does not function when we don't have engagement. So let's go back to this idea of cheating God. We're looking at Malachi chapter 1, verse 14, that God calls them cheats. Okay, so, so how do we, how do I, as a, as a 21st century Christian, who, I mean, I can't really tell you the last time I offered a sacrifice. I mean, we did grill a couple days ago, I guess. But, that was a bad joke, I know. But how do I cheat God? How, how, what, is, what, is that, what does that look like? What does that, what does that mean for me to cheat God? We, we said that being a cheat was, was just being concerned with the end result or, or just getting the box checked, so to speak. 
But we, but we also said that there's this engagement that has to take place. And, and this lack of engagement, I think, is really a critical piece. Because if we're, if we're not engaged, then a lot of times we don't understand the why. Why do we do this? Why? Why am I doing this? Why is this important? But I think it's true the other way as well, that if we don't understand the why, if we do not grasp the purpose of this, then we do not get, then we never get the engagement. If we do not grasp the why, then we never get the engagement. Understanding the, the intent and meaning goes hand in hand with engagement. So let's, let's go back to our board game here. You know, you, you don't have to answer out loud, but think, why, why do families play board games? Why do you play board games with your family? Why, why do parents buy board games? About 10 months ago, uh, for Addie, our, our daughter, we, we got her a board game for the first time. You know, we kind of thought, okay, let's start, you know, introducing her. We, Jessica and I grew up playing games. We like playing games. Jessica and I do not play Monopoly with each other. That's a whole other story. Um, that's a sermon on marriage. Um, but we like playing board games, so we thought, let's, let's start introducing Addie to board games. And so, you know, we, we got a couple board games, and it's, it's grown and grown into to this thing. Now, now, all the games that we have, they, they have something in common. They, they, ha- they all have an objective. You know, there's an objective to the game. They, they have a way to determine how to win. Shoots and ladders, the person to get to the last space wins. Hi-ho, Cherio. Anybody play Hi-ho, Cherio? Get all the cherries in your bucket. I'll own up to it. Pretty, pretty princess. Yep, played that before. If you're a dad of a girl, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, and so getting all the jewelry on yourself, getting every piece of jewelry. Yeah, now you know what I'm talking about. And so the, these games have an objective. But, but just can I have an objective as well for playing the game with Addie? You know, why do we play games with Addie? Is it, is it to meet the objective of the, of the game? Is, is my purpose to play Shoots and Ladders with Addie to school a three-year-old in Shoots and Ladders and teach her some humility? Sometimes. But I heard a yes over there. But really, you know what I'm getting at. The objective of the game for us to play games as a family is for family bonding, to do something that doesn't involve a screen. But it, it, it's even simpler things like just teaching Addie t- to take turns, teaching her teamwork in some of the games that we play, and then also teaching her how to celebrate one another, to celebrate when someone wins and to learn how to lose well. Those are the purpose. That's the why of the games. Let's go to, let's go to Mark chapter 7, verse 1. It, if our purpose of the game is simply in playing a game with Addie, is to simply win, to only be concerned with the end result, 
then I have cheated the system. I've cheated the system. I've cheated the purpose. I've cheated, really, the game because I've missed the why. And because I've missed the real why, the real purpose, I don't have that engagement. When I know the why, when I know that the reason why we play the games is for family time or to teach life lessons, I'm then able to be engaged in the system and be engaged beyond just the gameplay. I'm able to be engaged with the system and not just focused on the gameplay. So Mark chapter 7, uh, verse 1, says, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? So so the Pharisees are, are upset that the disciples are eating food with unwashed or unclean hands. The thought being for the Pharisees that if I eat with unclean hands, I touch my food, my food becomes unclean. I take my food into my body and my body becomes unclean. And when we're talking about unclean, we're not just talking about like muddy, dirty, germy hands. No, it's this idea that the Pharisees, when I go to the marketplace, I might touch something or someone who is unclean and I might make myself unclean. So Jesus responds to them. He says, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Jesus Jesus says that they've missed the point. They've taken the command from God and extrapolated it so, to so many small rules of how they should or should not do something that they've completely missed the point. Do we cheat God? Do, do we cheat, cheat the system? Are we more concerned with the end result that we've forgotten the purpose, that we've forgotten the why? And then because we don't have the why, are we completely missing out on the engagement? You know, I, I think you know, if, if Jesus came, came to our worship today, if he, if he came to our church, if he looked into our lives, would he say we're more concerned with the traditions and the how that we've forgotten the why? That we've forgotten the why we even gather. The why we read our Bible, the why we spend time in prayer. You know, we, we talk about the why, but, but this, this idea of engagement keeps coming up. Be, being engaged, and, and really I would even say movement with that. In, in, in Tassels, the, that's the weekly podcast uh, James and I, I do, we, we look at movements. We're looking at uh, movement in the Bible. Sometimes we look at how God moves in his relationship with people, but we also look at how humanity moves toward or away from God 
And if you look at the first uh, nine, or sorry, the first ten episodes of Tassels, we talk about how people move, how someone grows in their walk with Christ. Because I, the preacher move right here would be, we're supposed to grow in our faith. We're supposed to grow in our faith. We're supposed to grow closer to God. And I'd quote Hebrews 5, 11 through 14 about, about uh, should be eating solid food and not be focused on milk. You know, that's the preacher move. And then I just move on. But so many times, I think all of us would be like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to grow in my faith. I know I'm supposed to be moving closer to God. I know I'm supposed to be moving more Christ-like, but, but how? H- how do I do that? What are, what are things? What does that look like? There, there's a book uh, that James shared with me called Move. And what it is, is they studied a thousand different churches on spiritual growth and how people grow spiritually. And what they came across, there were three things, three things that helped people grow or helped people move. The first one is scripture reading. Reading your Bible regularly. Reading your Bible regularly and not just reading it like we said earlier to check it off a plan or check off a box, but reading it so that you can engage with scripture. So that you can engage it. So you can let scripture speak into your life. The second is prayer, a regular prayer life. And not just, you know, those, those routine prayers that we say, you know, at a, at a meal time or whatever, but really speaking to God. And whether it be uh, prayer journaling or writing out your prayers or listening to your prayers, praying through Scripture, some kind of prayer, regular prayer life. And then the third one, I mean, these aren't, you know, you, you read them and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, these aren't like earth-shattering ideas, but I think they're good reminders. And the third one is, is Christian community. And, and I love our Sunday morning gatherings, but if I was to be honest, this is not Christian community. Christian community takes place in small groups. Those ten, group, ten groups of ten people, that, that small intimate setting where you can be known by other people and people can know you. Where people can speak into you, can encourage you and motivate you to grow in your walk. Scripture reading, prayer, Christian community. Three things to help us move, to help with that engagement so that we don't cheat the system. And really, it comes down to just offering God our best. Offering God our best. Letting God be the influence in everything we do. Letting God be, be the influence so that... So it comes down, I think, to two words. Christ first. When I look at every area of my life, every decision I make, every thought I have, every word I say, every action I take, is Christ first. First, the answer. The marker. That's the marker for engagement. That's that marker for for growth, that spiritual growth, to make sure that that there's movement. Am I moving closer to this idea of Christ first? You know, no, no one likes being cheated against. No one likes playing a game with a cheat. And God's no different. 
The, the only difference is that we're, we're concerned that we will be cheated against and fall behind. We're concerned that we'll get last. God, God's concern isn't about ending up on top or getting ahead. God's concern is with the heart and engagement of all of us. He's concerned when people cheat against him because not of the impact it makes on God's gameplay, but because of what that means about the relationship. God's more concerned with the heart and engagement. Here at Lake Oma Church, we're also concerned with engagement. We want all people to grow in Christ so that they can go into the world. We're going to stand and sing a song here, here in a moment. Our shepherds will be at the back of the auditorium. We'll also have one uh, down front here. If, if you need guidance or, or encouragement with, with in, engaging with your faith, they want to help you and, and pray with you and motivate you in that, you can find one of them afterwards. Or you can find someone else. Come find me, one of our ministers, Austin. Or find someone in that Christian community you have so that we can grow and go into the world. Let's stand and sing.